Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. It's fight night, ladies and gentlemen. McGregor and Pure 3 is all set for UFC 264. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of USC, has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. If the rubber match ends in a first round walkout, you walk away with the cash. Just pick the main event fighter that you think will win by knockout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264 to 1 odds on that fighter. All you have to do is bet $1 on either fighter to win via first-round knockout, and you get $264. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds on the NBA, especially with the NBA Finals getting underway. Hockey and Major League Baseball with the Home Run Derby right around the corner. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $264. When you bet on a main event fighter to win by first round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $264 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, PA. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and benders there. This is the Grit and Barrett podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Yeah. 
Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, this is an an episode that I'm really excited to do and didn't think that I'd be getting um, uh, this man here on the podcast uh, this soon or, or... or, or if ever. So, um, you know, I reached out to him a, a couple weeks ago and i um, not expecting an email back, but lo and behold, the man did while he was on vacation in Costa Rica. And uh, he said, you know, yeah, let's do this. And I'm like, okay, okay, we are. So the man joining me is a part-time Washington Capitals play-by-play announcer a product of St. Saint, Saint Cloud State. He's an alumni, and he's more than happy to tell you that. Full-time Hershey Bears play-by-play announcer, the Shark himself, Zach Fish, joining me. Zach, it's been a long time, man. Like, how long has it been since you and me have been able to talk, talk hockey? Thank you so much for coming on. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. It's great to be here with you. I was excited to get the uh, the email from you. Um, look, like we're all, we've all been, uh, we've been deprived, uh, um, you know, so long since we've been together i was just thinking about that while you said and i think it was our last game right our last game in providence we played uh we tied the game out mammals and tied it with what two seconds left yeah you guys were right in front of me going absolutely bonkers in the corner in providence and then uh we lost that game in overtime or a shootout but had a great week we we're right there neck and neck for top team in the division in the league come home and little did we know that next week would change our lives forever um something that i'll i'll never forget leaving the building that day with not a thought in my mind that uh you know we wouldn't be coming back to the rink and calling another game but uh always love talking hockey with you when you and your crew go on the road you always find me and seek me out as long as the press box is accessible and uh, i'm pretty good at returning emails uh I, i like to get back to people i you know, I like to make sure that we, we help everybody out. I know you've been putting in a lot of work on the podcast. And look, it's early July, maybe mid-July by the time you get this bad boy out. Like, we're all hungry for hockey right now, and I'll count the days till October. So, good to talk some puck. Oh, yes. Um, so, let's let's turn back the clock for, for a moment. Um, like you said, you know, you and me, um, you know, we were in the corner there in Providence, um, the road trip there in the Northeast went was productive that that weekend, and then 
life supposedly on March 9th was normal and it was pretty much downhill from there. So so if you don't mind, like what what happened with you when all this started to to unravel? Yeah, it was uh, a super interesting time that I'll look back on and hope that we never have to go through again. Um, obviously, thinking of all the people that were lost throughout this pandemic and many people that we know, um, they have ties to the Bears. Like, there's, it's going to be different coming back and not having some of these folks there. I think of Curtis Bolton, who is a, a box office staff member here that many of our staff knew. I knew Curtis just a little bit, but was also a very big fan that that passed from COVID uh, and is one of just many that we've lost because of this pandemic. But just playing out the timeline, how things worked out for us. So we come back from that road trip. Uh, we get to the Giant Center. Uh, I had a, a company meeting with our corporate communications team most Mondays, um, and they had released recommendations about coronavirus. We weren't quite sure what exactly was going on yet at the time. And the league had sent out some information. And in that information, one of the things that they and the NHL recommended was limiting in-person interaction with players outside of the play of the team as much as possible. Um, so my boss at the time, uh, as far as a corporate boss goes, said, hey, I read the guidelines. You guys still have three weeks, two weeks left of community appearances. I think you should cancel the community appearances. I know that's tough. I know people aren't going to be happy with that, but if this is what the guidelines say and we want to keep the team healthy, we're close to the playoffs, we should do that. So we had a, a Bears staff meeting on that Tuesday. That would have been the 10th of March. Um, and we let everyone know that the decision had been made to cancel staff meeting, uh, to, uh, the staff meeting to cancel community appearances. I would certainly ruffled some feathers because it was last minute. I think the guys were supposed to be at Dave and Buster's that night. Um, you know, the sponsor, I'm sure, wasn't super pumped about that, but they understood, you know, for the safety's sake. And, and we didn't quite know what we were getting into yet. So Tuesday, that happens. Wednesday, we go to the rink and we started to institute some new guidelines. The NHL, MLB had said, you know, no media in the clubhouse. We already don't let our media in the locker room. It's not set up for it. We have a media room that we utilize. From that point on, we started enacting social distancing. I had Ali Barubi of ABC 27 out that day on the 11th, um, and she was doing an interview with Matt Molson, uh, with Spencer Carberry, and with Liam O'Brien uh, on a variety of things, mostly about how good we were uh, heading into our next television broadcast, which was supposed to be the 20th of March. But we didn't let the players shake hands. We made them social distance. We didn't quite know what we were doing, but we were trying to follow the guidelines that were passed down. That night, I was sitting on my couch, I'm not the biggest NBA or basketball fan, but I, I follow sports um, and I'm scrolling through and I see something odds going on in the NBA that the players are not on the court. It's supposed to be tip off. What's going on? And of course, we find out the NBA is suspending their season that night. And from that point, that is when it hit. You know, I think Tom Hanks announced he had, had coronavirus that day as well. That's when it hit. Holy cow, this is for real. Um, and we knew very well if the NBA was suspending them, the NHL was going to follow. The AHL was going to do what exactly the NHL would do. They're going to follow in their footsteps. So the next day we go to the rink that Thursday, we actually practiced that morning because nothing had been decided. We were supposed to play, I think, Friday night against Toronto at home. Um, so we still had to prepare. Our coaches still had to prepare. They tried to keep the guys as safe as possible. Uh, but, of course, the decision came down from the NHL and then the AHL that the season was suspended. 
and we look back, we were so naive, man. We didn't know. Um, you know, I did an interview right away, and we said, oh, we're hoping this is for a couple weeks or a month. The NBA said a month. We're hoping that that's the most that it'll be. Never in my wildest imagination did I think that we wouldn't come back and play. Um, but from there on, the guys kind of were told to stick around and wait and see what happens. And then a week or so later, they wound up sending everybody home. Um, and, of course, lockdown started. And, you know, shortly after that, the only place I was leaving my house to go to was for a quick grocery trip. So it progressed and changed super quick. But um, we were at our staff at the Giant Center went in the morning of the 13th. Uh, the Capitol staff, the coaches, they were asked not to come in. But uh, the Hershey staff, we still had a few things we needed to wrap up. But by noon that day, uh, we were told that we'd be working from home for the foreseeable future. And until we really got going with our season in January, um, that was, was where I was. I was at so I was not at the Giant Center. And it was an odd feeling, but I was lucky to be kept on the whole time. Um, not everybody in the sports world was fortunate enough for that. I had to pick up a lot of other duties that I hadn't done previously for many years. Um, but well, I was fortunate to be kept on, fortunate to still be a member of the staff working from home. Um, and then January, once things started getting going in the right direction, was able to come back to the rink and been coming to the office pretty much every day since. So a lot of our staff is still working remotely and transitioning back into it. But that's kind of the timeline of how this all played out. We uh, didn't know if the season would resume, um, if there would just be playoffs. Of course, they canceled it in May. Uh, then it was a really, really long off season of things changing every day of, oh, we're open, we're playing September. No, we're not. Okay, can we play in January? No, it's going to be February. Um, but I'm so thankful that we were able to play. Um, I know it wasn't the same. I know a lot of people couldn't be there. But uh, to get a season in, to have the season that we did, to get some sort of normalcy back, uh, it's really already giving me goosebumps thinking about getting back to real normal and packing that building uh, come mid-October. A friend of mine in the United Kingdom put it as um... – that 2020 was just a downhill, you know, started out normal and then just went all downhill. And he believed that it's all going to be uphill this year, the good kind, that we're going to return to some semblance of normalcy. And we are getting there, and not just in the world of hockey, but slowly in other parts of, of this country and others as well, some more than others. So, um, so to february um how what was it like to be back at the arena that even though it was the bears opener you know obviously we had like what 11 maybe 800 people there opening night against the phantoms you know were were you just just happy to be there based in, in for lack of better words just to be back behind the microphone and seeing the boys back out there Super pumped. Um, it was a bit of a whirlwind uh, of a week for me um, going up and down with Washington uh, that week. But I had the 6th of February circle on my calendar the second I found out. And just being back in the building and around the team, I think, I, I think we went about like 800 the, the second game. I think the first game was like 400 or something like that. It was, it was such a low number. It was so different. It was so weird. But when that puck dropped, from my perspective, I was zoned in on the ice. And, you know, there's the chocolate and white. And we're playing. We're playing Lehigh Valley. All felt right in the world in a small sense for just a little bit. And then you look around and you see nobody. 
everybody in the crowd outside of a few people here and there and the production the video the music is isn't as loud uh because it doesn't need to be and you know the intermissions are shorter and the tv timeouts are shorter just and then you know coaches are wearing masks i have plexiglass dividing myself and mitch in there so it just it was different but i was so pumped to be back um it was trying near for everybody uh you know we were fortunate on our end that we were able to be very very healthy and have very limited issues primarily with other teams uh kudos to our athletic trainers uh beaker our, our medical team our doctors and our players uh for really committing to that and making sure that we could play our games 33 out of the 36 in the middle of a pandemic is pretty impressive uh, considering you know it was out of our control why we didn't play three of them but for all the good of being back there was there were a lot of frustrating moments um where it was like we're not going because of this you know we we're supposed to play opening night the day before uh in newark and that didn't happen just there are a lot of on your toes moments where you weren't ready for it you just had to kind of deal with it because it changed so quickly so there was a lot of frustrations a lot of difficulties it got easier as the season went on we got used to it the vaccination started coming into play uh, restrictions for fans coming in loosened a little bit by the end of the year fans didn't have to wear masks in our games think about that just how far we went in that couple months we went from um, barely being able to have a couple hundred people there massively social distance uh, to having close to 15 1600 and mass if you were vaccinated or needed. So we went a long way in those couple of months, but you're right, man, getting back to the rink, being in my office, being in the broadcast booth, you know, having Mitch and, uh, and Dave uh, there with me, just, you know, it's, uh, it's a game I'll never forget. Uh, you know, Cody Clark scoring the first goal from Eddie Whitco, and uh, it felt like we were going in the right direction. And it's not going to compare anything to whoever scores the first goal come October when we're back at Giant Center and hopefully 10,500 are roaring because that's that's going to be a can't-miss game. Absolutely. I know I'm I, I'm looking forward to it myself uh, whenever that, that date is. So, um, um, so, you, so going behind the microphone a little bit, um, you had spoken on one of the on on one of the uh, broadcasts of some of the things that you guys had to do this season. Um, would you mind, um, if you're able to, to talk about some of uh, the precautions? Like you said, like some players and trainers had to change in separate uh, locker rooms during the year. Correct. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a different time and a lot of guidelines that came in that got passed down from the NHL. So a few obvious things that you saw the coaching staff was wearing masks on the bench, right? Um, the glass behind the bench got taken out to improve the airflow um, to the bench. And then they had to put some protective netting up there. That's something that we, we had never really seen as far as that goes. Uh, there was no seating in the lower levels against the glass until the very end. Those restrictions loosened a little bit, but no one was allowed to be seated on the glass or near the bench area. So all those things kind of visually made it very different. Um, but from a player perspective, we were tested three times a week. Um, that was something that we did uh, usually Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Um, and it was not a, the nasal swab test. It was a saliva test. Uh, you spit into a little tube and cap it off and it gets sent away to a lab. And we usually <laughs> have the results, um, usually have the results by that day. That way we know that we are safe and we are good to continue activities. So I uh, had those tests three times a week. The bubble was very tight knit. 
um, at the Giant Center. If you're familiar with the layout, um, the locker rooms are downstairs. It goes um, skate rental, where if you're uh, if you're a fan that's coming to skate at the Giant Center, then there's a set of doors that's uh, only accessible by permitted staff. Visiting locker room, home locker room, um, and then auxiliary locker rooms there. It's one long carpeted hallway. Um, that whole area of the building unless absolutely necessary was essentially a bubble um, that only folks with a green access badge could go into. And that was our team, anyone on the roster, anyone that was our coaching staff, uh, as well as myself and Brian Helmer. And that was pretty much it. Um, obviously if Washington's people came into town and they were tested uh, or vaccinated later, they were allowed into that bubble. If they were a coach, like our development coaches, um, they could be brought into the bubble as well as they were part of that. They were getting the testing. But uh, that hallway, it's tough to walk around the Giants Center without accessing that hallway if you're on the event. So people creative and go different ways. But we just we had to keep the team safe. So that was some of the precautions that we had. I was lucky enough to be in that bubble and able to travel. Uh, but even for me, I, I traveled separately early in the year so we could bring extra medical staff on the road. And just because Brian Helmer and myself, we don't work on the lower level. We work on the upper level. We work with more staff members. So even though we are in the bubble, we were out of the bubble a little bit as too. So he and I uh, weren't permitted to travel with the team on the bus for the first part of the season until vaccinations came into play. Everybody had to wear a mask pretty much up until the point they got on the ice uh, in the locker room, in the dressing room, they had to social distance. And yeah, we had to move the locker rooms around. We had three locker rooms that we utilized throughout the year. Um, on game days, they were able to socially distance just the playing roster in the locker room for the most part. But uh, we had two extra locker rooms where the guys were socially distanced and spread out. Uh, so that's tough to build team camaraderie, right? When um, essentially almost four locker rooms, it was our main locker room, normally where uh, our lounges turn into a locker room and then two auxiliary locker rooms across the hall all became locker rooms for the guys. So that was tough to unload the gear. I help our equipment guys. We had the who goes where, but um, it's tough to build that camaraderie when the whole team isn't in the same room for the most part. Uh, then meetings, a lot of Zoom meetings early when restrictions were really specific um, with players, uh, really no group meetings, putting everybody in there to watch video. A lot of times it was just, hey, here's a link to a video that you can pull up on your phone. You need to watch this. Um, as opposed to the coach sitting there with the entire team going over it. So very different. The guidelines restrict. Um, and as you know, you know, there were no fan meet and greets. The media could not be anywhere near that bubble. Everything could be done like we're on Zoom. Uh, very different. Uh, very odd year. Uh, but we kept the guys safe, and, and we had little to no issues. And thank goodness for that. And well, I think we're all excited to shed those guidelines, uh, hopefully all of them for our season this year well one last thing on this on this whole corona thing and i'm sure fans will will want to know this is beaker okay is beaker okay is he holding up well beaker's good man beaker's doing great i Excellent. just talked to him yesterday uh he's he's always uh always his usual unique side self and um he uh 
he wound up going on the road with me a lot. I mentioned we traveled separate. Um, he was in the bubble, of course. Uh, our team doctors, I should mention, our medical staff, trainers, equipment managers, all those guys are in the bubble too. Um, so he was around with us all, all year, and then big kudos to him, our athletic training staff, our doctors for keeping us safe. So Beak is, uh, is awesome. He's still the best. Um, he still comes in the office most days here in the summer, and uh, I was just on the Zoom call with him the other day, and he's his usual uh, usual self uh, bouncing off the walls. But I know he's excited to get back to normal too. But um, you know he's been here with us since the '70s, and as you said, our our fans love him. The guy's an absolute legend. So he's uh, he's doing well. All of our staff, all of our players, you know, everybody uh, healthy. Everybody got through just fine. Um, you know, unfortunately, we did lose some fans along the way and it's not going to be the same without them and hopefully we can honor them uh, and our video team can honor them in some way shape or form at giant center uh, because uh you know it's not going to be the same without some of those smiling faces that we did lose in the pandemic but we were fortunate as a team uh and from beaker down uh, that everybody's doing well exactly that that man is a treasure and must be protected at all costs <laughs> yes, so so l- l- let us let, let let's pivot away from from the great virus We've talked about that enough. So let, let's talk about some hockey, damn it. So we so this past season, of course, um, the Bears were the regular season champions, um, not an official Calder Cup champion. But um, what, what player stood out like the most to you that really caught your attention over this, this past season? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of fans who have their favorite. I've got my own. But um, wh- which player stood out to you? Yeah, there were a couple. Michael obviously is number one because he's a kid that was supposed to be in the Ontario Hockey League. And how's he going to adjust to the pros? Different year, we only played three opponents, right? But he came in and he uh, tore it up. And that's exciting to see. That's exciting for the Capitals' future. And that's exciting for us because, you know, I don't think there's any plan to rush him to the National Hockey League right now uh, that he can still continue to hone his craft in Hershey. And he's going to be there soon enough, first round pick for a reason. But you always wonder how a guy's going to come in and translate to the professional level, as we've seen with some of these prospects that have just ripped it up um, in major junior. It's it's difficult at the American Hockey League level. I mean, a different type of player, a fifth-round pick as a first-round pick, a defensive forward, but Connor Hobbs comes to mind. Unbelievable guy, was solid for us, but he never was able to translate a lot of it from the WHL to a consistent job in the American League and being an NHL prospect. He put up crazy points in major junior hockey, and it, it just didn't work at the pro level um, for him as far as putting up those points or being a regular in the lineup. Now, Michael obviously has much more pedigree, higher pick, but he was able to come in and translate that. There are a lot of guys around the league that wouldn't have even been in the league this year with the rules um, that came in and played some really good hockey. You know, Graham Clark for Binghamton that we played all the time should have been back in juniors. Zade Wisdom. Uh, for Lehigh Valley, should have been back in juniors. So McMichael's number one, rightfully so. I think he's got a really bright future, and it's just uh, Mr. Clutch. Love what he brings to the table, continuing to get his game a bit more consistent, continuing to bring that intensity night in and night out. But uh, he's a really good kid and and excited to see him. And then if you want to talk as well, just uh, in addition to him, some other names that stood out to me right there with him is Zach Vucali. I, I didn't know what to expect. When the Bears signed him, uh, to uh, or the Capitals signed him, I suppose, to an NHL deal, um, we didn't quite know there was going to be the taxi squad at the time. Maybe the Capitals knew this, but at least publicly we didn't know there was going to be a taxi squad. So you're thinking, 
All right, we already have probably uh, Vanacek and, and Copley because Lundqvist was in the mix at the time too. We already have Vanacek and Copley. Where, where's this guy going to play? Is he going to the ECHL? Um, you know, he's he's been in the ECHL the last couple of years. So the situation worked out where Vitek got his time to shine. Unfortunately, Lundqvist had the medical issue, um, and Fuchs wound up playing with us. And man, was he good! Uh, they signed him a two-year extension because of it, but uh, best goaltender in the league statistically as far as goals against average goes. Night in and night out, he brought it. Um, and just think he's on the right track. And it's crazy. Goalies develop a little later. He's 25 this season, just turned 26. And he's a guy that uh, has got his uh, mind in the right spot. He's been dealt some tough uh, hands in other organizations. I can't even imagine the pressure of being a kid from Laval, Quebec, and being drafted in the second round by Montreal. And kind of being thrown to the wolves a little bit early there and given, you know, 40 plus starts in the minors uh, your first year and then winding up in the ECHL the next year after being an AHL regular. So uh, what what he did was impressive and I'm excited to see him continue to, to reemerge as an NHL prospect and, you know, a prospective number one goaltender, a prospective number three for an organization with the way he's played. He earned that two year extension, rightfully so. So he was uh, the other really big one for me. And then, yeah, you had some guys that broke out a little bit more, like Brett Leeson had a nice step from year one to year two that I'm excited to see how he continues to grow and develop. But, yeah, McMichael uh, and Fuchs are obviously the two obvious ones. Yeah, you brought up Brett Leeson as well. He was one that that um, that myself, that I really took notice to, that he was starting to develop a nice scoring touch to him that not just was he a good uh, big big man as well but it seemed like once Alexi Protoss came in um, if I'm correct they both played with Prince Albert together it yep. really felt like there was a, a, a connection between them and his play really got better once one of his teammates joined him yeah he had his moments uh, throughout the season Leeson did um, and showed a lot of flashes of why he was a second round pick Remember, in juniors, he was a late bloomer. He wasn't drafted until his third year of draft eligibility after having a breakout season with Prince Albert, helping them to a WHL title. So the Caps saw plenty of those two together as line mates. They took him in the second, third round uh, in the 2019 draft. But you know, Leeson had three goals his first year. He had nine this past year. Um, he's a guy that has a big frame at 6'5", 225, and he used his offensive abilities a little bit more. He came in, and he definitely turned some heads early um, he's got to continue to work on his skating. You know, I know uh, a skating coach is something that I think he told me he was going to try to work on with this summer uh, as things open up and allowed. That's what he's going for to continue to become a better skater. But um, a player that got some power play time, uh, penalty time, a big part of that for us was able to a power play and a shorthanded goal this year. But he's going to have to grow his game and continue to grow his game even more so. Um, and the only buyer beware thing that I say with him is. You know, this season, five of his goals, five of his nine goals came in those games against Binghamton. And we know Binghamton struggled and was not a very good team. Least played very well against them. The competition is going to be better night in and night out next year. Now, our team depth is probably going to be even better night in and night out next year. Remember, you're missing Alexia most of the year and Nardella uh, a lot of the year. And Protus wasn't here quite yet. Uh, and then on top of that, Malenstein was hurt. Uh, Daniel Carr maybe could have been here was up all year if things were normal so that's a lot of bodies missing that are even a better cast of characters uh, around him but each team is going to be stronger so at least took a big step he was the most improved player for a reason 
and yeah, I think the familiarity with Protus was great when he came in. Alexi's a big man. He's raw, but he got some time in the KHL and performed pretty well over there. Uh, Protus has the ability to really come in and, and take that next step as he gets acclimated uh, to the American Hockey League and professional hockey on this side of the pond. And I, the comfort level between him and Lisa, you saw the chemistry. They had a couple gorgeous plays together where they knew where each other were going to be on the ice and they weren't always together but for the most part carbs did line them up um together to try to find and utilize that chemistry a little bit so uh, i'm excited to see brett lease and what he brings to the table next year because he got a lot better this year uh and i think he's gonna need to continue that trajectory and you know he was rewarded uh, some injuries played into it a little bit but he did get called up for the brief time while the caps were still in the playoffs as a black ace and that's good to see uh, because obviously Washington has their eyes on him. We're impressed with what he did this year. So let let's move to the uh, d- to the blue line um, defense. Uh, there were a lot of holes to fill this year. Obviously, with Nardella going overseas, and I think Alexiev joined us joined us late. Um, Cameron Schilling got a lot of love this past year, and it seemed like uh, Rob O'Gara. And uh, Reese Wilcox were nice additions to kind of plug the blue line a, a bit. Um, you know, what was your thoughts on the uh, defensive defensive core uh, this season? Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what the defensive core for next season brings because there's not a ton of uh, bodies under contract as of right now. But to your question, um, you know, we had Alexia a bit late. Our wasn't here, as you mentioned. Uh, Ferravari was the big key piece, but they went out and signed Paul Ledoux. He spent some time up, didn't play a ton of games in Hershey. You know, he's a guy that was uh, maybe ticketed to be up top that wound up sent, coming down here that was a big game player for us. We knew we had Whitco back, but you know, some of those guys uh, were new faces to our fans, the O'Garas and the Wilcoxes that were just on PTOs all year long that stuck around and did a good job for a serviceable defenseman. Uh, in Wilcox's case, uh, a longtime phantom. It's, uh, it's kind of tough to tell if he's a stay-at-home defenseman or has a little offense to his game, uh, but he's uh, solid out there, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and did a good job being a regular in our lineup. And O'Gara's played 33 games in the National Hockey League, got a good cup of coffee with the Bruins and Rangers, and kind of looking for his next opportunity after a tough year the year prior. And thought he did a really good job for us, uh, has some offense to his game, and just a really solid guy. So those guys came in and filled uh, the gap that we had there really well without a ton of defensemen being available or being overseas or whatever it may be and then uh you also mentioned Cameron Schilling of course Bears fans know him pretty well at a much different point of his career than when he came in it was a prospect that was getting NHL call-ups but you know I was excited when the cap signed him he had a really good year and, and was named to the North Division All-Star team because of it so uh an older player now uh, compared to the other younger defensemen that we had but brought us some stability on the back end and he got opportunities that he normally wouldn't get because of COVID. Uh, he's a power play guy for us and he probably is a power play two guy, uh, if not a power play guy at all, most years at this stage of his career, but he wound up being on the top power play for most of the season until we got the Alexia's back and some other bodies in there. So made the most of his opportunities um, and did a really good job in his return to Hershey here. But transition into this season, you know, it sounds like, uh, and, and things can change. We saw it change last year, but Martin Faravari got another solid season for us, is going to get a really good shot to be up in Washington. I think his time uh, is coming there. I think he's got a really good chance uh, up top to be a regular with the Caps and work his way in the lineup. But under contract and, 
and coming back for next year. We know Alexiev's on the cusp of a call-up. Brian McClellan has said it, that they think he's going to get some games up there next year. He's uh, he's back and signed for next year. They just inked Nardella to an extension. Pumped to have Bobby back. Great kid. Really had an awesome year overseas. Excited to see where his game is at at this point. He was dynamic for us uh, as a rookie. and can really add a lot of offense to the bat. And then he's still under contract that likely be back in North America next year um, that they didn't bring over because of COVID is Tobias Geiser, uh, who was here with us a couple of years ago. They wound up having him go back home because we had too many defensemen a few years ago. So those are kind of the three under contract that we can fill in right now. Um, Will Schilling, O'Gara, Wilcox, Lucas Johansson, who unfortunately was hurt for most of the year, um, and some of the other pieces we have that were AHL contracts, Wicko, Nanny, those guys – Will they get contracts again? That's still yet to be determined, but there are some holes on the blue line that they'll be looking to fill via free agency, whether it be internal options or new faces, because there's not a ton of young defensemen in the pipeline to, to fill in like we had a few years ago with the Williamses and the Hobbs and the Johansons kind of all coming in at once. Yeah, it just, it, it, it's great to hear. hear. <clears throat> yeah, it's really great to hear you talk about like who gets called up and who is looking to get time in. I mean, it's it's sort of a return to normalcy, um, hearing who might be able to go up to a D.C. I know that the previous normal season, um, Fiviari was getting called up a good bit whenever the Capitals had an, an injury as well. And, um, you know, with, with Washington, um, do you... I've said this with the, with the Caps Chirps boys. I think Washington needs to get younger this year. Do you see them tapping into the farm system a bit more this year instead of relying on free agents? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a great point. I know Brian McClellan's uh, words have kind of echoed that, that uh, he feels that they they need to get a little bit more youth in their lineup. Um, And Barawari is going to be the biggest piece of that. So McClellan said... We're going to get younger, but we're still going to have a veteran team because that's our core, I think, was his direct quote off the top of my head here. But um, he knows that they, they can use a guy like Burbari on the back and he can provide that uh, skating ability night in and night out. And, yeah, I think some guys are going to get looks. I think they got to look here down here for you know, 13th forwards, guys that can maybe come up and fill gaps that are, that are younger players. You don't ever want them sitting there on the sidelines. But we have some guys that can play that have really good skating ability, uh, in the P-Lines and the Brian Pinnos with his hockey IQ. Uh, Beck Ballenstein was probably close to making the team last year before his lower body injury. So those are all guys that come to mind. You know, McClellan has already said Alexiev is going to get games in there. And then, of course, you know, Fucali and Copley, if they're both back next year, they're not necessarily young players, but they could be potential call-ups as well. So I think the, the eyes are on a lot of those guys from, you know, the guys that maybe need a little bit more polish and seasoning, the, Protuses and the Leesons of the world, uh, but I think there's a lot of eyes on, on a lot of those guys. And Nardella, even for example, a younger player um, that is actually a little bit older. Shouldn't say completely younger. He's not just out of major juniors. He played four years of college after an expansive junior career. But a guy that could get a look, maybe a modern style, smaller defenseman as well. So um, Tark Elbershire, the Athletic, does an unbelievable job. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, not plugged by the Athletic at all, but I love the Athletic. I love reading it. I love working with them. He does like prospect tier rankings and things can always change, but he's pretty connected with the Caps. Um, He did one that kind of said, hey, the one guy that's ready to be on the team next year is Faravari. 
but here's a bunch of guys that could be in line for a call-up. Here's a few guys that need some more seasoning. Here's a few guys that could move up the ladder. And I thought it was pretty accurate how he did it and how he worked with it. And, you know, a guy like Cody Clark took a big step before his injury. A guy like Leaston uh, took a big step. They continue to grow and develop. You know, there's going to be eyes on them. So, um, oh. Uh, one one or two more questions before we, we get you out of here. Uh, what uh, what was it like? Uh, you know, you, you you we talked about uh, broadcasting from different pla- from different places. Um, you know, I know you got the card table set up there in Wilkesbury. You're up in a corner there in Lehigh. Um, what was it like broadcasting from from Newark at that practice rink? Like like where? Like where were you set up? I mean, it it wasn't a great presentation on the AHL side, but um, um, what was it like broadcasting from there? Yeah, definitely different. You're right on top of the action. So if you watch the games on AHL TV at all, I was actually opposite of the camera. Probably why my directionals, uh, were, you know, left to right and stuff like that didn't quite work out. I'm calling the game for radio and AHL TV is kind of a bonus there. When you're on the opposite side of the camera, it can make your your cues that you put out there a little different, different, difficult um, to utilize, but they had the cameras actually on the same side I was. So I'm looking through, uh, there's like four rows of stands, uh, maybe a little more than that, maybe six or eight rows of stands off the glass, just bleachers, and then up to a concourse level where essentially at a table um, and a kind of a row of people to stand and watch where they set up a bunch of tables. Uh, they had the cameras on that side initially, but to protect the, the spectators, it's not like they just installed this, but it's, it's always in there. Um, they have black netting, like you see behind the nets, all on that side of the glass. It goes all the way around that side of the glass where the spectators are. So the camera was shooting through the first game or two there through that netting, and they got a lot of complaints. So they moved <laughs> the camera the other way, across the way, uh, and actually brought in like a lift, like a, a lift you would use to change light bulbs at the top of the ceiling or whatever, a uh, big construction lift they brought in and put the camera guys up on that, and they were kind of between the benches on this lift on the opposite side. So that no, wasn't the greatest presentation. They couldn't get a good angle for it. Uh, but my vantage point was actually pretty good once you trained your eyes to learn uh, look through the net because you're pretty much right on top of the ice. You can read the names on the jerseys, and the Bears bench was actually right below me, so there was never any guesswork trying to look across the way if someone was missing from the bench or if a trainer was attending to someone on the bench. I was, I was right there. So glad we don't have to go there again. Uh, definitely wasn't the greatest setup, um, but uh, made the best of it. Um, give Rob LaFolis, the broadcaster in Binghamton, uh, who unfortunately is out of work right now with the Devils, uh, no longer being in Binghamton. What a crying shame! Uh, but he did an unbelievable job. He's hired by New Jersey. He actually got to make his NHL debut this year, too, due to some COVID circumstances. But good friend of mine, he made it a first-class operation for the people coming in on a media side and made it the best they could uh, get the cameras in there and thinking quickly on his feet. So uh, definitely different being in Newark. Glad we'll be back uh, in normal American League buildings this year because uh, it's just uh, hockey's hockey, but it's just never the same no matter how close you are uh, without the roar of the crowd. Yeah, agreed on on that. And this was it was a challenging season for everyone, but you know we we got through it, and that's the important important thing. You know, like you said, we were um, COVID affected our games, but didn't affect our team directly. You know, we we're very fortunate in that, and um, just 
you know, what did, did you feel yourself, you know, being, you know, you were glad to be back at, at Giant Center. You described how different it was in Newark. Um, did you feel yourself a little bit glad to be back at the rivals' homes in Lehigh and Wilkes-Barre? You like, like, would you ever find yourself, you know, like, wow, I'm kind of glad to be back at, at this, at, at our rivals' arena? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, Wilkes-Barre had the best atmosphere, and that's not normal there at all, but that uh, I've seen this year, just because they're building smaller as Giant Center, when McMichael scored that buzzer, beat her rivals it right there. But for a road building, let me preface it with that, Wilkes-Barre had the best atmosphere by a mile this year. Obviously, we only played three road buildings, um, but Lehigh Valley never felt the same with me because they didn't have the rambunctious uh, game presentation this year. It wasn't as loud, and the speakers turned down. They didn't see any fans in the upper levels. There were no fans near my corner that I broadcast from there. Just a very toned-down operation, as our fans know. Lehigh Valley is really opposite of what we do here, more of a traditional presentation. They're a uh, new school and off the wall, and it's loud and uh, obnoxious at points, uh, but really fun place to win and really fun place to call a game. They do a great job with the presentation. It's just a bit much when Melvin's out there flipping an ATV and, and everything. So uh, <laughs> they were very different, but Wilkes-Barre, they brought, we played there several times late when the fans were back, and because they're building – has a lower ceiling than Giant Center because it's not as expansive. Like that, some of those crowds in Wilkesbury, maybe it's because I have a short memory, were rivaling the crowds that I had, uh, you know, in, in a lot of regular season games in Wilkesbury by the end there, as far as the noise they're making. So hearing a refuse suck chant and hearing the booze <laughs> would beat them, that was fun. And when I knew I was back, fans have heard me complain about this on Twitter before. It's all in good fun, but when the uh, little coco doll on the noose <laughs> back down in front of me hanging from my right uh late in the season i knew we were trending back to normal it's a great rivalry it was pretty chippy on the ice this year i'll be interested to see um next year if you haven't noticed uh wilkesbury signed a couple enforcers already and they brought back jamie devane um, you know, Kale Kessie did his thing against Wilkesbury this year, and it doesn't look like they want that to happen again. So it's a great rivalry. Always enjoy getting to go to those buildings, especially when we win there. Uh, but I'll give Wilkesbury credit. Their fans did a good job making some noise. And there were Bears fans there, too. Uh, so it was cool to see them there. But the Giants center by the end was trending in the right direction. But we all know 10,500, 9,000 on average, whatever it is, like, there's no place better to play than the Giants Center, so can't wait, uh, can't wait to be back to that. But yeah, you're right. Uh, I took uh, being being able to be on the road, Rich. Like I took that to really the heart of how special that was because the NHL guys were doing games remotely, the ECHL guys were doing games remotely. Uh, so to be able to go on the road, uh, I was pretty lucky. Yeah, it. it I'm it, you and me both are both looking forward to October and what. Whenever opening night's going to be, whomever it's going to be against, I mean, I've got some good assumptions on who it it, it might be. So, um, so Zach, thank you very much for coming on the Grit and Barrett podcast here, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, I am I am extremely thankful. I've said that we said that in a little bit of our pre-talk. Um, just just thank you again, you know, for for um, you know. Just the, the the advice that that you've given the professionally and and as well, and just you know I, I look forward to being back there with, with everyone. And if there's anything you know you'd like to say, you know I usually say like if you want to like you know 
promote or say something in the last minute, the floor is all yours. So just, again, thank you very much for for coming on this show. Yeah, I'll take my minute of time and wrap up and just say, Rich, keep up the good work. Uh, always fun seeing you and your crew, uh, your little traveling pack you got there, seeking me out at the games. I'm looking forward to being back to that, seeing you in whatever Paul Carey jersey you pull out that day or whatever random jersey that you give me interesting facts <laughs> about. Uh, it's fun. That's that's what makes my job great. So five years for me and Hershey now. They've been on five years, ready for a normal year six, ready to bring home Calder Cup number 12 and get a chance to call that. But, uh, yeah, look for some news next week, hopefully, um, if all goes well. Uh, don't don't have a schedule yet. I don't even have a draft of the schedule yet. It's going to be a little bit later this year. Normally it's out around this time, at, re- at least recently. So don't know who we're playing uh, or exactly 100% when it's going to be. But hopefully you should have that information, at least, of when we're going to be dropping the puck for our first home game here soon. So hopefully we can share that with Dan soon. Our staff is getting up to full speed. I'm looking forward to getting back at it. But uh, excited for this year. Uh, appreciate our fan base. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, watching the games on Fox 43. That was a great partnership we had this year as well, getting the games on uh, on television and HD on a main channel so our fans could watch. But uh, it's not the same without you. We need the fans there. Uh, so hopefully come October, whatever it is, uh, we're packing that building and that's something I have counted the days, uh, that's for sure. I can't wait. Aren't we all, Bears Nation? Aren't we all? So that'll do it for the show this week. Thank you to my guest, Zach Fish, for joining me. And to all you Bears fans who, you know, keep it up, hang, hang in there. The month without hockey will be here shortly. And then September will come. We'll be talking about training camps and then getting back to the violent ice circus we all know and love. Thank you for all your time, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network where there is a podcast for each and every NHL team. We also cover the American Hockey League. They have a podcast about college hockey and all the ins and outs of the hockey world. If you wish to know more about our parent club, please check out the official Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network as they cover all things Washington Capitals. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. That's at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who passed away on December 5th, 2020, to dementia and COVID. The show is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears friends, fans, and family who lost their lives to cancer. Cancer sucks. Thank you once again for listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears! Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. 
Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.